0: suckers going up. Welcome everyone to the Plain Fussy Podcast. This week we've got a jam-packed show full of ideas and things that we fully thought about way ahead of time. Uh, This week we're going to talk about a few earnings that have come out. We've got a bit of news, interest rates we're going to talk about today, and maybe uh, a couple of things that we've been interested in this week. But with me today we've got Steve D and Steve W. How are you guys doing today, this week, and how's how's just how's the stock market going because uh, i feel like it's not going very well
1: hi steve hi everyone hi paul you're not dead that's nice um yeah. we were worried about you for a couple of weeks there i mean mostly because we kept perpetuating rumors that might have caused people to worry about you uh but paul is indeed here it turns out and at some point i imagine he'll kind of give you a scan around the room so he can tell that there aren't people stood over his shoulder or something like that I'm doing pretty well here. I mentioned last week on the show that I was in the process of basically getting ready to move house. I'm now in the process of moving house, so we've had people uh, packing up the stuff that was in our old house today, and they're going to put it in storage for a bit because we're hanging out while our chain uh, works itself out a bit further down the line. We're staying with a friend. It's friend of the show, Lizzie, actually, one of the proud owners, first owners of a playing footsie t-shirt. Uh, so oh. not only a, a wonderful person for keeping us here and alive and stuff, but uh, also a a good person for backing up this small needy organization that we have um so yeah it's, it's kind of chaotic at the moment which uh doing that with a small person and trying to figure out exactly what needs to be wearing at what time is is a fairly challenging sort of thing but um the stock market has been kindly distracting me from that by well i said before i was struggling to find things to buy i suppose suffice to say that's not really the case anymore um it's now the case that we're back to sort of more obviousish things to try and buy for reasons that we'll get into i guess in in the course of the podcast
0: yeah and just on on the the rental thing uh, obviously you've said chain so you've gone for mortgage you've gone and bought a house an actual
1: we're in the process of buying it. Yep, we've had an offer accepted on it. um, And we're waiting for things to sort themselves out kind of further along uh, in that process. But yes, getting ready to uh, buy somewhere, all being well, assuming other people's mortgages don't collapse and so on, which they might. uh, But that's the general uh, shape, yeah.
0: With the... the, Because you had a previous idea that you didn't like mortgages. Is there anything that's changed your mind about it that's got you wanting to buy a house?
1: Um... Yeah, I have a wife now um, that's <laughs> <laughs> made quite a significant difference to stuff. Uh, there is a bit of a push that comes from Lifetime Isa's and their utility for either retirement or buying them on first houses. So okay. if you can knock a good enough lump out of the amount that you're buying using your Lifetime Isa or both of your Lifetime Isa's potentially uh, and your Lifetime Isa bonus, um, then you can kind of... Uh, turn the equation a bit more favorably i think
0: yeah that's great that's four grand per year of free money right if you fill out that is it four grand no one one it's thousand four grand you can put you're... in and then you yeah. can
1: have another one thousand on top of it yeah between yeah, the ages exactly. of 18 and 40 i think it is
0: yeah uh, and that's that's amazing if you're you're brand new and you want to buy a house that's a great way of uh, getting that mortgage payment that's a that's a big return i've been considering a lisa myself recently and maybe only putting in about 16 grand into my proper isa and, and go for the lisa because figured that if i can get to sort of financial freedom stage with the isa at 16 grand of uh contributions then the isa the lisa is happy to sit there for that little bit of extent you know you kind of you're kind of saying that you know 20 percent of your entire pension can literally sit till you're over 65 over 75 and you you kind of draw out of that later and the ice a bit the first ice a bit gets you that earlier retirement so i am considering that myself at the moment i think that that is definitely a good plan and uh, i haven't made brilliant decisions elsewhere you know with pensions i used to have a db pension which i stopped putting into because i got fearful of the government and things like that but it, it i, I like the isa thing and as a first-time house buyer uh, you've you've uh, really used that well and i think that's a good way thing to for other people to learn especially younger people you know the age of 20 out there using that lifetime isa first to get that first house isn't a bad idea um great stuff steve d what you've been up to
2: i've had a digital snoop around steve's house uh, he asked me some queries on the uh, on the construction of it and he found out that i have many ways of finding the house plans before he can send them to me um and, <laughs> and that was that was quite good fun um but yeah in terms of my week i've had a really really busy week i've barely had chance to to look at the markets really this week um just catching up today, uh, I've sent Steve a couple of ideas because I've been looking through this uh, Euronext tech um, ETF, which I'm sure we'll try and cover at some point. But I would highly recommend that if people get some get a chance to get yourself onto the Euronext website and have a look through it. There's some really interesting companies in there and they are really dropping at the moment. Uh, so it might just be if you still think the Nasdaq is a little bit expensive, I think that to some degree. Uh, some of these definitely aren't and the difference between the uh, euro sort of companies and the uh american companies is a lot of these are profitable already um churning out bottom line uh, profits and paying little dividends here and there as well so if that's your jam um there's some really good stuff there the other thing i've noticed guys this week is that trading two and two have finally opened up their waiting list and with that i've seen a lot of um Sort of half dead YouTube channels or fully dead YouTube channels are out posting videos,
0: chasing their uh, referral links. So, Paul, <laughs> when will you be releasing your next video? I, I'll uh, I, I'll work on that. I I wasn't going to do anything about Trading Two and Two, but now you mention it, I, I might as well do something. Um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'll scrabble something together for Saturday, shall I? <laughs> I never I never even thought I never even thought about it to be honest with you. But I did. I got a free share today. Uh, uh, lucid i'll probably do uh yeah i'll do something on because they've got that little thing that allows you to see how many free shares you got i'll probably do something like that that will be that'd be nice and easy won't it uh how many free shares That's, have i got in total i won't do uh i won't do any names but i saw one today that said
2: welcome to my trading 212 portfolio it's been seven months and I thought like, yeah with when, with when they caused but I, I just got a free share I'm, I'm not really sure where it came from uh, but I got no. Carnival and it went straight into wow. Um wow <laughs>
0: yeah Lucid got sold today it's just I, I forgot it was even there and I went uh, I'll get rid of that
1: <laughs> oh Lucid's really good you should have kept that they're going to make loads of money in like 2030 or something like that
0: yeah of course they are um would you talk about your your tech etfs I, I wanted to put this one out to you today because this new etf brand spanking new etf came out today and i wondered if it was interesting uh to you because steve uh you invested in coupang i am yep it's a korean entertainment stock isn't it Something like that. Uh, it's amazon essentially of korea yeah, um, yeah well could i interest you in the k-pop etf that came out today uh lots of people trying to jump on the wall street trend of super niche thematic fun strategies for investors interested in k-pop uh it's got a 1.0.2 dollars under under management <laughs> and it's all based around how much everybody loves k-pop um uh, what would, would what? something like this be interested to you
1: uh, does it well, depend on how many of the names you can pronounce of the companies <laughs> that are involved
0: <laughs> what, oh, so I actually what have companies a
1: are comp-
2: involved
0: i actually because well, uh, i wanted to look at that and i thought ah, oh, what's going to be in it because i immediately thought ah oh, coupang must be pretty high up the top can't mm. can't see it can't see it in there at all um you have to scroll down before you get an actual company that isn't releasing a plethora of just bands you know these uh boy bands that they're that they're that they're, uh, bringing out. But, um, interesting, the foot, their top one is H Y B E, which seems to be a, just a, a sort of music company. I think, um, something Simon Cowley, that's just releasing constant, um, constant, uh, different bands and things. But I went and I had a look at their revenue and things and, uh, they're growing their revenue, like nearly 50% year on year, Profit margin, net margin is ten percent, so not massive, but I thought actually there's some there's there's a real business in here somewhere, even though it's uh, tiny. It's there, there's something going on. But number four on the list was Naver Company, which is a lot bigger. They seem to be much more of the kind of Amazony type uh, global tech. They describe themselves as a global tech cap- platform. But uh, there's a couple of companies in here I thought were really interesting. One of them, I think the second one down, CJ Entertainment, that had that famous movie Parasite, which came out on Netflix, I think. Um, so th- th- there's real there's real stuff in here. I just wondered if uh, <laughs> we, when we're talking about South Korea, because a lot of people are investing in South Korea, if this edge of South Korea was, was something that you'd be interested in. That's one of the interesting things is that the South Korea isn't actually in uh,
2: the VFEM um, ETF, yeah. but it is in uh, the iShares version, which I think is E-I-M-M or E M. It's something along one of the One of the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that does include South Korea. And I always think that's quite a big market to, to miss out, especially when you think, you know, straight off the top of my head, Samsung, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely massive company in there, actually trading at a reasonable valuation. They've got a boatload of cash as well. So I'd expect Samsung to go and do some business at the moment. Um, they might be an interesting stock to look at. I think you can even mm. have them in your ISA as well because the primary listing is in uh, is in South Korea. So um, it's an interesting space. I don't know if I'd be massively going out to buy a K-pop <laughs> ETF, but, um, I mean, is it B- BTS? That's about the only K-pop band that is. BTS. Because I, I believe I've... I read that they've all been sent to because it's, it's customary for them to have... Um, military service isn't it and i believe that the bts lot uh, are trying to get out of it
0: <laughs> that's good i think they are owned by the top company hybe but I, i'm not entirely sure of that one I've, I've only had 5 minutes to look through these guys but uh, for me this week the the stock market has pummeled me it really has and I, I can't figure out exactly why and i think it's all coming down to these interest rates right so interest rates are uh, particularly inflation here in the UK has gone up and the bank of england have said interest rates are going to go up european uh, central bank is no different in fact they're going to do it worse as far as i understood you'll have to forgive me because i haven't been looking much over this over this week but the biggest thing was jackson hole and i think steve w has a bit of information on that
2: Mm,
1: Yep. Um, Just to take us back two weeks uh, for a moment when we said Paul is definitely not uh, suffering for his comments about North Korea. He's now come back with a Korean ETF uh, from his his (laughs) travels over the last fortnight. We're not saying anything uh, in this about where he's been or what conditions he's been kept in (laughs) over the last fortnight or so. But it's very nice to have you back, Paul. Uh join in next week when we start it's, learning it's about what well, Next week, it's we're, been discussing, tough. Next week we're discussing politics, I think. It's like <laughs> Tory leadership stuff. Uh, anyway. Uh Jackson Hole. Uh yeah, Jackson Hole, one of the many counterexamples to the claim that any hole is a goal. Uh Jackson Hole is where the Fed has a meeting um and they talk about roughly what they think monetary and uh, economic policy is gonna be like going forwards. Uh, And going into it, nearly everybody said Jerome Powell has to be hawkish. He has to be aggressive. He has to talk about hiking rates, reducing monetary supply and so on and so forth. And he did. Uh, And the markets went down quite a lot on this basis. Uh, And that surprised none of us, but it did surprise some other people. Um, And if you consume much, if any kind of US based financial media, you'll have heard the words Fed Pivot and tapering uh, and that kind of thing quite a bit, because the last time Powell said anything of any significance, um, what he said was something like, at some point in the future, we will stop raising rates. Uh, And there were sort of two lines of response to that. The first line of response was, well, yes, that's very obvious. At some point in the future, you will. No one expects you to raise them into infinity, so presumably there will be some stopping point. Anyway, back to business as usual, get back to hiking things. And then there was another kind of line of response that said, well, yes, that is very obvious. So that's not what he means. What he's doing here is bringing to your attention the fact that he will uh, stop hiking rates at some point, which means that point is sooner than a lot of people think. Uh, So will it be in, say, 2023 because they're starting to and when people start thinking this kind of thing, they start finding evidence to support that, like strong retail earnings and jobs reports and all these kinds of things. And they start looking at them positively and the market starts going upwards. Um, And then Powell says at places like Jackson Hole, no, no, I didn't mean that. We're going to keep hiking rates like quite a lot because inflation is still really, really bad. And then markets go down again because that Fed pivot thing turns out to not have been a, a sort of Fed pivot after all. Um, In UK terms, uh, we're roughly similar, I think, to the US in terms of inflation uh, and interest rates in the sense that I was looking at both sets of CPI. In the UK, it's CPI, Consumer Price Index, including housing, uh, for what that's worth. But as I was reading it, and I think I read this right, compared to the US CPI, in both cases, if the CPI number goes nowhere until December you'll still be looking at uh, an inflationary reading of 6.5% year over year, basically. Um, and if you think interest rates are going to stay at 1.75, which is what they are here, uh, while the Fed's t- uh, the Bank of England sorry, is targeting 2% inflation and inflation is running at 6.5%, I find that difficult to believe. So I'm expecting more rate hikes to come, and I'm expecting this market to go downwards as a result of that, basically.
0: Yeah, interesting that everybody said said... Oh, we might one day stop raising interest rates and everyone thought oh that'll be next quarter then like (laughs) how how did we how do we just get there you know and i'll I'll say what steve steve d said just before we came on air who who thought this was going to be different because we all us three agreed there's going to be no change and it's probably going to still go up for a little bit They, they uh, Jerome Powell is always going to go a little bit further than necessary to, cur- to, to attempt to curb the inflation, even if we are at the peak of inflation right now uh, in the US. So who were these people that thought it was it was this massive pivot or is this just another big ass news cycle that we need to ignore?
2: I think there's still a lot of money out there, isn't there? I think that's the problem. Uh, there's still a lot of money out there floating around the system, and I think uh, a lot of people are obviously trying very hard to get uh, what they think is or what they hope is the bottom. Um, I think, um, I mean, we're not, uh, you should be quite accustomed to, to suckers rallies by now. We've had quite a few suckers rallies uh, just in this period, but also during COVID, we even had a few suckers rallies at times. Maybe COVID was one big suckers rally. Um, yeah. You know, that. that's, that's, Potentially, so some yeah, stocks it definitely was
0: right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um. Uh, the, the the interesting one for me was uh, Elizabeth Warren. I don't know whether you saw her comment. She was very angry with. Um, she was very angry with um, Jerome Powell, and she said, uh, "You know what's worse than high inflation and low unemployment? It's high inflation with a recession and millions of people out of work." I hope you consider that before you drive this economy off a cliff. Now, that is literally the most moronic statement I've ever heard in my life, because she has literally party to a lot of this free money, uh, even in opposition. You know, the Democrats waved all of this free money, uh, all this stimulus, all these all these problems uh, through. They've they've continuously kicked the uh, the 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 can down the road, both Republicans and Democrats. And what on earth does she think the alternative is? You you can have high Mm. inflation and and low unemployment. Well, that's no good for anybody. Do you know what I mean? High inflation, a recession, and millions of people are wet. Well, that's no good either. But, you know, America needs to evidently reset. It's gotten itself into a bit of a pickle. And it literally has been kicking the can down the road with QE for about, well, since 2008. Since 2008. Um, And, you know, this is a, a drug that's very, very difficult to wean yourself off. And uh, Elizabeth Warren is one of the longest-serving um, senators in the. Um, well, she's a senator. She's a congresswoman. I can't remember which one she is, but yeah, she's been one of the longest-serving around. So uh, it's a pointless. It's a pointless statement. It's a pointless political attack that has absolutely no hope of helping. Um, hmm. So yeah, sounds I, I think good, though, what,
0: doesn't it? Sounds good. To it the, does sound good. To the yeah, because yeah, it sounds like she cares.
2: But the, the yeah. fact that she. she She may care, but she doesn't have a clue what to do to fix it. And unfortunately, the people who do are, you know, they're going to push America into a recession because that's what has to happen.
1: Yeah, that seems to me to be the right thing to uh, sort of think here. I'm thinking about jobs reports and so on. And if we sort of take off our investing hats for the moment, uh, which we, you know, wear for the purpose of this show, do we want to see people unemployed anywhere? Not really. Do we want to see them getting paid better? Almost certainly. The trouble is... Higher wages, more people employed is inflationary. Uh, It makes them spend more money, which drives up prices, Mm. which which is basically what inflation is. So the trouble with that thought here is that, yeah, there's going to have to be some unemployment coming out of this or there's going to be wages going down or something like that, because that is how uh, inflation is going to get unwound from what I can see of it
2: just just before um we shuffle on again uh, as well the two two things from jerome powell's in the last speech remember he talked. he did talk about uh you know that at some point in the future they foresee not having to raise interest rates which you know that is one way of that is one way of presenting the future in, in this one he kind of dialed that back and said that he's now going to use the tools forcefully and there will be some pain they're complete different positions and hmm. if uh, Powell has, since he's been in charge of the Fed, he's really tried hard to be um, to communicate a lot more with people. So you're getting a lot more information out of the Fed about what they're trying to do than than previous uh, Fed chiefs. So you're almost constantly getting a, a stream of Fed information. The problem is, is that their their positions aren't always. Uh, they don't, they're not always in sync with each other. They don't, they don't often flow one from the <laughs> other. So and I think that's the problem is the market is reacting on uh, an earlier statement where he said, yeah, yeah, well, things look, things look like they could be getting better for the market. And now he's saying things are terrible. There's going to be pain and you're all losing your job. And, and I guess that's the opposite. You know, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing, uh, you know, well, this week.
1: Yeah, final thought for me on this one as well before we uh, kick this along. If it is the case that I'm wrong about this and Powell ends up cutting interest rates sometime before this time next year, I would view that very, very negatively uh, from an investor perspective. Stocks will go up and I think there's a decent chance I will start selling stuff that I wouldn't otherwise plan on selling because that is unlikely to mean that inflation is under control. What it's more likely to mean is that something is going massively wrong uh, and we're getting an mm. extremely, quote-unquote, hard landing here and they're having to back out of their plan to sort the economy out. Uh, I, think, I think a cut in interest rates, which will pull stock prices up, um is gonna be very bad uh it's gonna be a bad sign about the u.s economy not a good one
0: how do you guys feel personally about the inflation at the moment and raising interest as way- rates as well especially steve as you're going straight into a new mortgage i have no idea what your your mortgage percentage 25% is 25 percent mortgage <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i'm hoping you're gonna lock it in for 10 <laughs> even 20 years if you can um it, how are we feeling how are we feeling about energy prices as well is, is that i know we are all relatively safe and hopefully in relatively safe jobs um well i'm not but um i've got I've, I've saved up a lot of money to back it up um it's are we are we scared at the moment are we worried about people or even just for our, for our own sakes
1: I think, for my own sake, actually living with someone else is, uh, albeit in an enforced way for the time being, likely to be quite helpful uh, in this sort of thing. Being able to lump together energy bills is going to take the edge off it for all of us. It comes at the cost of a bit of space, but we're actually reasonably okay for um, space here. And uh, Lizzie, who we're living with, is a very, very good friend. It's sort of been been... kind of ridiculous we didn't already live together to be honest but uh this seems like a decent time uh, to be doing that sort of thing i advise everyone to sell at least one of their houses and go and move in with somebody else to try and keep their bills down <laughs> we only get one lot of the whatever it is government kickback thing per household uh, i'm not even sure if we get that or qualify for that or what the kind of rules around that are but in general we'd rather be in that situation than trying to run two from what i can see of it uh, thoughts on house prices to follow but that's the energy thought uh for the moment here
2: I think the energy bills are going to suck. Um, I'm on a variable rate as well, so mine are going to definitely suck. Uh, I bought, uh, well, last year I, I didn't fully understand how much firewood I would need. Uh, I figured I would go through about a ton uh, in, in the winter, and I had two fires. So I bought two tons, uh, and we only turned on the um, the. Fire in the dining room once. This was my. I'm a. i am am now a country boy. I've, I was a city boy
0: before this. Uh, <laughs> so saying, I currently like have a, firewood. Uh, where are we, yeah, yeah. Where I, are we back in the. the that's factory. not what he meant
1: by fuel prices, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I currently have
2: a ton of firewood in my garage. So all being well, <laughs> I should be able to keep. <laughs> my uh, local populace warm uh from the glow that's going to be emanating from my house uh, over the uh, over the winter period but yeah energy bills are going to suck for us we we are now not charging our uh, car at home because that's going to add a ridiculous amount of expense my work has kindly allowed me to charge my car there which uh is very nice of them and uh, wow. laura um my wife she is also allowed to charge her car at work which is gonna it, it probably means that our bills won't go up anywhere near as much as we think because the saving we'll make from not doing that which is about between us it was about sort of 18 to 20 quid Uh, to charge both cars overnight. So, you know, that that, that naturally should come down. So that that means that we shouldn't be affected by it too much. Other people, though, I think it's going to be terrible. I think even before these prices went up, you you were quite you could quite easily stumble across somebody who was struggling the, the, the jam just about managing and people who, who were already struggling to pay these bills. And, and that uh, them going up like they are doesn't make it any easier and the constant forecast in the future must be causing horrendous amounts of anxiety for people. So I think the government need to get their uh, ass in gear and sort something out here. Yeah, I assume we're going to be adding a, a large amount to the national debt. Um,
0: That's but, it. That's you know, the what, answer.
2: What, 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 who cares? They're just numbers on a spreadsheet. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. It doesn't matter, does it? it, it... <sighs> we weren't going to talk about Ray Dalio, but I, uh, I think it's all linked to what what we've been thinking. Um, I I didn't didn't watch the animation until last week, and I actually put it on the bristle just to just to see what people thought. And I, so so there's um an animation which describes ray dalio's new world order book in quite quite good detail for 44 minutes and if you watch it it's it's really entertaining it keeps you keeps you engrossed the the entire way but it is shit scary it is uh really scary it's all about rising prices uh lower wages the wealth gap separating and eventually civil war and even and then on top of that uh, world war which has to reset everything and then make China king so it, it's uh yeah it's it was really horrible uh but it it does feel like people are squeezing that way and what I want to tell myself is that this is just news because I think everything that in my investment life so far has been built on everything that you hear is just news it's all hype it's all scare it's all fear and eventually everything's going to be all right but even right but it's it's that it's that thing of right now it sounds really really scary now is that different this time or uh, should I just keep on investing and just expect it to just blow over? Because let's not forget, in 2014, we had the China scare and everyone thought the world was going to go to shit and it didn't. And then 2008, we had the Great Financial Crisis and everyone thought the world was going to shit and it didn't. 2001, we had, we had the the terrorist attack and the world went a bit mental and, and it was fine. So with this, it, which is just... Russia turning off our gas a little bit and uh, quantitative easing getting over over the top. Uh, is this just more news? That's what I want to know. I want some reassurance. Is this just more news that we're going to get over or is this, is this really civil war and changing of the new world order time?
1: Somewhere between the two, I think, on those. I don't think <laughs> this is kind
0: of civil war
1: and changing of the new world order uh, time. Yeah. But I also think that... I think if stock prices reset to where I think they're going to reset to and various other things do the same thing, I don't think it will be back again by next year, uh, by this time next year, put it that way. Um, it feels to me like things have a way to come off yet, unless yeah, unless I'm wrong about something, which is highly possible. But changing of the new world order is quite grand, isn't it? And as I haven't seen the Dalio animation or uh, read the book yet. Oh, you but need I heard to watch him it. It's amazing. Talking a significant amount about how he... Um, research various kind of empires and their rise and their fall and so on uh and i guess that contrasts with someone like buffett who thinks that america will go on forever uh, even though it's mm. been around for sort of um, 300 or so years um i guess it comes down to the question then of whether you think america has a moat around it um and the reason it would have a moat if it has one is because it's a capitalist uh country in fact it's kind of the capitalist uh country the most of them so it depends it comes down to i think whether you think capitalism is an enduring winning system that will prevail great, uh, in kind of any situation or whether it can be displaced by whatever we want to describe the kind of Chinese uh, political economic system as. It's not capitalist, right? But um, something uh, other than that. And I guess that's where that comes down to. I think if something does displace kind of America from being a center of the world, as it currently seems to be, um, I don't think this is it. I think it's something more dramatic than um, a kind of uh, oil and gas war uh, between Europe and uh, Russia. Steve?
2: Yeah, same. I don't foresee. Uh, I think China has its own issues at the moment. Uh, I don't think this is a free run for China to uh, to to do anything. Well, they they have currently having their own banking crisis. Uh, they've just shut another city because of because of COVID, and they're now restimulating their economy. So uh, I don't think China is in any better of a. Well, China might have a civil war. That that's that would be an interesting <laughs> thing thing to see. I, I mean, I, I did see there was a pretty huge run on the banks, which was uh, pretty interesting to see. The army, uh, the army and the military police throwing people uh, <laughs> down steps, <laughs> fighting them off. Yeah, going to get their that. own money. Uh, you yeah. know. The residential crisis, just quickly for those who don't know, in China, basically what happens, you uh, buy the uh, real estate up front. So they put the lot up and they say, we're going to build one of these It'll look like this. It could be 700 flats or something like that. And you give the money and the real estate company, which are all leveraged up to the eyeballs, they say, yeah, no worries. We will build that for you in seven months time. And they use the money that you've given them to go and buy another plot of land. And what's happened there is that uh, the credit... Um, their credit has started to tighten up uh, they now no longer can run these huge leverage balance sheets they don't have the money to return the deposits to anybody uh, who has paid and they also can't actually um don't have the money to actually build anything uh so there is a huge issue uh, in chinese real estate and chinese real estate is a huge part of china's wealth and then also you have the um what do they call it? There's something road. There's something road where they're building pointless projects in every other country around it, and they're all mm. going to absolute crap as well. They've just bankrupted Sri Lanka by building them a cricket stadium that they've only played in twice. and building yeah. built them the tallest building in the world, which doesn't have anybody in it. Uh, yeah, these are all pointless projects uh, that China has... It's Belton Belt Road, isn't it? Belt- yeah, yeah, it's, it's the...
0: yeah, it's the Belton and Road, and, and they... Um they go into they've gone into places like Africa and then built infrastructure in there and expect it to repay either through debt and they've gone into they've gone into really poor African countries and expect them to pay with absolutely no revenue so it's it's uh, it it doesn't seem to be paying off but I think they play the the only downside to it was two problems i think i can see with your theory there is that number one china did barely any quantitative easing during covid they just shut everything down so they do have a lot like rumor is and i can't sit there here and say i know this for definite but rumor is they have a lot more room to have quantitative easing and and put in a lot more money to keep up with the deficit that say uh, the us has but, uh, and on the, other cha- on the other hand, they're really playing the long game, aren't they? They, uh, they know where, or well at least they think they know where uh, things will pay off in a very long time. Uh, TikTok is one of the big things that people are saying is, is, is a long game. It's a generational long game for dumbing down the US and the UK. And um, uh, we're, we're fighting back a little bit with this new chips act um nancy pelosi saw it coming obviously uh the chips companies have been taking a beating that's that's one of my biggest beatings this week if i'm honest uh broadcom asml have all taken a bit of a beating on this idea that biden has has put caps on certain companies uh for selling chips to china at the moment and this is all a political thing because they realize we are so far behind um, chip making in uh, China and Taiwan, and they and the US believe that eventually, well, it is it is an eventuality that China will take Taiwan, but they think it might happen earlier, and that's the big problem in it. If, if that does happen, then US does fall behind technologically than uh, to China, and that these are these are interesting geopolitical um, issues at the moment, and they're all having these these effects on the stock market. I mean, we can uh, we we can talk very loosely about the US uh, auditing the big companies in China, which is supposedly supposed to ease off a little bit of those worries about things like Alibaba. Uh, there's there's so much going on at the moment. Again, is it too much news? And should we just ignore it and go back to basics? And and uh, this is one of the things.
2: Well, that, that's an interesting point, isn't it? They, they're now allowing um, American companies to um, audit some Chinese, uh, some mm-hmm. Chinese firms. The, the interesting thing about that is that um, the the law that was passed, uh, it was a bipartisan law, again in America, that just basically said that, um, you know, to protect investors, uh, American auditors should be able to audit the accounts of foreign companies that are listed in America. I think that's a fairly fair policy. I don't think any of us could agree with that. And it also said that any uh, company that has ties to uh, foreign in national government and um... You know, we should be we should know about it and We should be protected about it, uh, protected from it. And they should immediately uh, delist. Uh, China would not admit to that, but 15 of its companies all delisted on the exact same day, which tells you all hmm. you need to know about those 15 companies. To be fair, most of them were like Chinese utility, Chinese petrochemicals, Chinese yeah. um, sort of companies in, in in that kind of industry. But I think this is fair enough. It seems to me that the documents are going to make the way to Hong Kong, uh, which they like to tell you is uh, a different system to china uh if you believe that um congratulations That's civil war in um, itself <laughs> yeah and the other thing about china and taiwan is this could be a little bit of sort of political um sort of saber rattling it's long been china's policy that uh that taiwan would want to rejoin um china um by china becoming so so great and i think taiwan is uh, quite quite resoundingly not wanted to do that so far i think in the process of taking taiwan that would be a horrendously bloody battle and to say Mm. that they would take they would just walk into taiwan and uh, you know they would have all the tech Uh, i think they would end up doing what russia has done to ukraine which is just destroy stuff um and i think um you know it would Uh that's not that's not a good idea for china i don't see the point but then I, i you know
0: I saw, I saw the documentary uh, uh, on Taiwan and how it's uh, trying to bolster its uh, military presence there at the minute, and they are taking the same strategy as the Ukrainians have against Russia. And they've decided over the past few years, they've been... Uh, investing heavily in big arm tanks and things like that but uh, more recently since the war in Ukraine they've been investing in small arms um basically arming people with high explosives so lots of money there for BAE and Raytheon with the Javelin and the Enlaw uh, <laughs> is what I saw. that's what I saw I saw dollar signs at that point but the the idea is that bigger countries can take on small uh, smaller countries can take on bigger countries now by having this different type of warfare a sort of guerrilla type warfare where they only have to risk a a few small people to take out big machinery and the big machinery war might not be as effective as it as it used to be and, and i mean and that's that's obvious with the russian uh, invasion that's going on right now um interesting interesting thoughts there uh geopolitical <laughs> views that we didn't expect to be talking about today but, uh trying to keep on track with what we actually had planned uh housing then so what have we got steve
1: so yeah i've been looking at housing markets a little bit and i've been looking at them in the context of interest rates um it feels to me like where i'm looking at the moment the, i'm starting to see stuff coming back up on the property market that i've looked at a while ago in my search and it went away again because it was quite a heavily contested market and it's appearing again which tells me uh, it's also appearing at slightly lower prices for what it's worth as well which tells me there's just starting to slip off a little bit i say that um as today news emerged that house prices are up 10 percent despite rising interest rates but um this is an anecdote right so more than one makes it data but one is simply an anecdote um it's looking to me like there might be tougher times ahead and i'm thinking of this in my kind of stock market hat on uh for the moment which makes me wonder about house builders and whether they might struggle a little bit coming forward uh if mortgages go down but it does make me wonder if we think there's a kind of recession coming we tend to think look big cyclical things like houses are a really good example but other things as well Um, they tend to do worse, we should expect their earnings to go down, and that sort of speaks to a stock that I talked about uh, several months ago, now Howden Joinery, uh, on a show with, I think, just Steve. Might be my stock to buy in either July or something. Um, On the face of it, that looks like it's going to have a a tricky sort of time, because as people are feeling the pinch of their rising energy bills and so on, I wonder whether they're going to start pulling back on their purchase of a new kitchen. But I did hear a thought expressed on a, uh, a different podcast that kind of just got me thinking about that a little bit. Um, higher mortgages mean people are less likely to buy houses because they're currently paying whatever its twelve fifty a month uh, on a mortgage. They think, well, I could get a new one, but then I'll have to pay sort of nineteen fifty or something like that to move up. Don't fancy doing that. Interest rates are higher. I'll stick with the one I've got. But that then tells me that, look, if you're in a position to start doing that, one thing you could try and do is just start improving the house that you have. Uh, that kind of money you were going to use buying another house, it's 450000 or so uh, to buy a house around here. 450000 buys you a really good kitchen and a really good bathroom and probably an extension and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So I do wonder whether the, the kind of obvious thought that I had before in terms of, Interest rates go up. House prices run into trouble. Everyone starts pulling back in their money. Nobody buys a kitchen anymore. Um, It's perhaps a little bit too simple um, here. And I wonder whether somewhere like Howden's, like the Home Improvement Bunch, might actually hold up better a little bit as people pivot off going for mortgages uh, and going on to improving the houses that they have. So, yeah, I'm watching house prices with kind of interest as mortgage rates come up.
2: It's definitely true that, um, as we spoke about last week, there's a definite correlation between uh, when house moving slows, house extensions um, grow. And which is why ForTerra, I think, is a, is a good way to play the house builders, because you get all the benefits of supplying the house builders. And when the house builders, you know, start to mothball the sites, you get um, you get the extension starting up. So that that's, you know, that's a good reason to own a brick maker, I guess, is... Uh, is what i'm saying but yeah there's a definite correlation between that Stephen. i can tell you categorically because i work with a lot of the major house builders that they are starting to slow down uh they're not moving or uh, opening new phases a lot of them have already they work in phases so they'll work in 30 to sort of 60 house phases they're, a lot of those houses have already been sold so essentially they're building what they've sold um once that finishes uh there's not You know, it's not as strong as it as it was. The smaller house builders, who've maybe only got ten houses on a site, who probably build more and sell them, have sold three or four of them before all. You know, before the interest rates started rising. But now there's a lot of people thinking, well, there's only six more houses to build on here, so I'll wait until they're finished because you know I don't want to live on a building site. And you know, a small house builder might not finish these houses. Can you imagine? I mean, some of these houses I've been to see are selling for eight hundred thousand pound. Can you imagine? buying an £800,000, looking right to see the idyllic uh, finished village that is being built, looking left to see uh, a gone bust builder, half-built plot next to you. Uh, you wouldn't want that, would you? So, you know, th- there's definitely a slowing in the small house builder, and when that happens to the small, you can guarantee it's going to happen to the big guys as well.
0: That's a really interesting point, actually, because I we had a house in Spain that it, that exactly happened. Um, the they stopped building probably a road after the road that our house was on and it was dire it was it was just it was a night and day uh, change from the houses that were on this road that were all nice and and done up and the houses on the next road which just were full of homeless people boarded up uh, people trying to just keep uh, squatters out all the time and it was, yeah, it was just a, a very interesting uh, situation. Do you think that, do you genuinely think that's something that could happen over here?
2: Definitely, and and I wouldn't be surprised if it does. The The issue you've got at the moment is that Uh, materials are actually coming down in price so that would be a a really good time to start building your actual finished stock the only problem is is that these small companies that produce all these materials for you their energy bills are going up and their 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 actual delivery costs the petrol costs the labor costs Mm. are all going up so any saving your i mean steel and iron is still going up as well Um, but any any saving you're making on material costs is being lost in energy Uh, at what point i mean it was said to me on a number of occasions last year, a number of builders said to me, well, at what point does it not make sense to me to just not not doing anything? Do you know what I mean? I, I remember just quickly a sort of anecdotal story. There was a a guy building in Lincoln, and the uh, he was building, he's renovating an old James Bond um, house that was used for a few poolside shots of a villain.
0: You are giving a lot of details, This okay. is <laughs> fine.
2: This um, And he he basically at the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the build, he was asked to submit a fixed price for the full renovation, despite the fact that it was being massively extended it was going to take over a year and a half to build and uh he turned around to the guy and said look if you want me to fix the price for a year and a half i'll just give you 20 grand now because that's probably what i'll lose and i won't bother starting because he anticipated you know these these prices going up and i think it's only really going to get worse uh it's just not the right environment for house building at the moment i don't think
0: Mm. Yeah, and a lot of these companies, like from an investment point of view, and I've said this on the Discord a couple of times, uh, Persimmon has like a 10% dividend at the moment, and people keep saying to me, oh, have you seen this dividend on Persimmon right now? And I'm like, that's coming down, mate. You know, with the with the cash that's coming out of them at the moment and the slowdown in the housing, that dividend is getting cut. They do sit in lovely PE, and you can say, you can talk about inventory all the time, um but i i think yeah i won't be buying a uk house builder until the dividends uh, start to get cut on mortgages though i'm wondering if there is a collapse here somewhere uh starting to brew with these raising raising interest rates and um i think i might have said it a couple of years ago and i think i teased it a couple of times on youtube and and in the discord and stuff but i've got a real worry about help to buy the help to buy scheme at the moment because that is around six to seven years old right now uh maybe a little bit longer but my personal help to buy is just coming up to five years so let's say okay let's say yeah it's six it may be seven years old the help help to buy scheme maybe eight um and i had this wonderful plan to save up all of my uh, helped buy money and pay it back to them in, in one go you know in cash and it was great house prices have gone up since then and the shared ownership of that has gone up a lot more which is all it's almost certain that i'm going to have to buy a quite a hefty mortgage with a higher interest rate now and that's going to put a lot of strain on my earnings my ability to invest uh, my my ability to live and then obviously with the energy prices at the moment um It's quite bad. But what I also did probably two years ago was I did a little vox pop in my area. I went around when I was investing uh, just to people's houses that have new builds. This is weird, isn't it? I actually went to people's doors and I knocked on the door and said, do you mind just telling me what your plan is for your help to buy? And overwhelmingly, their plan was Remortgage whenever the the five year because because if anyone knows anything about uh, help to buy the you buy your house uh, the government keeps twenty five percent of it or at least some loan company keeps twenty five percent of it. And then after five years, you have to start repaying it. Uh, You have to start, you either have to pay off the mortgage in full or you pay a certain interest rate. And in the first year, it's not so bad. It's about 90 quid ish uh, for that first year that you've got to start to pay. But then it doubles every year and it gets really hard. So you've really got to make the decision pretty soon, pretty early, to pay off that. Uh, debt and that you either do that by paying off in cash you pay it off in little installments or you pay it off by remortgaging your house and as it's five years for me right now that means it's eight between eight and five years for other people as well and if me who had a really good plan at once once that's gone completely wrong i reckon there's a lot of people out there that have not put the, this plan in place, and they are now about to take out a mortgage and buy their house again for more than they originally bought it. I think this is a real problem here in the UK. And I did, I you know, I did a lot of little bits of research to sh- to see how popular this help to buy scheme was, and it was really, really popular. It's not. It's not really good here over the UK to admit that you don't fully own your house and you've taken out some sort of weird uh, scheme to, to pay for your house, uh, and you essentially owe money to a loan shark. I seriously believe. Seriously believe. After that Vox, pox, I did that. I did that whole thing. You know, in the uh, Big Short, where he goes, th- where they go out to mm. the. Um, oh, so you went to a lab dancing club yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, basically yeah i went to a lap dancing club and asked all the strippers uh have they got help to buy on their house and they all looked at me like no give me a fiver and um (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh no i did i i actually went to a few people's houses and i've asked a lot of our friends who have also done something similar on way bigger houses and way bigger mortgages than what i've got we were quite smart and we tried to keep it as slow as low as we could but some people have bought Out of their range on the you know to the top of their possible mortgage range on the help to buy and their financial advisors have said to them yeah you'll you'll learn more in the next five years you you know in five years your your wealth will have gone up and your your income will have gone up because you will have got promoted and things like that and that might not have happened and energy bills have gone up i'm worried and i've been worried about this for three years now but i know i'm getting really really worried about it and i do foresee some some form of financial crisis happening here uh and it happened in america as well america have started doing a bit of a help to buy scheme they they more recently took it up so i wonder if there's something going on here um it's all speculation at present i need to do a lot more digging in, into it but um it, it was just this is just my two cents i think i've spoke about it a long time ago uh but it's still still festering there for me
2: It does sound like a ticking time bomb, really, when you think about that, doesn't it? Because I think... um, I've just
0: sold it to you as a ticking time bomb. It might be a a, completely different thing, but... um, It does...
2: Well, I mean, if it is how you say it is, it's almost a perfect storm with the rising energy bills now. Everything, uh, you know, people's budgets are going to go from perhaps what they thought was comfortable to becoming wildly uncomfortable um so yeah i guess that's uh that's one to do a little bit more digging on do you want to do a couple of quick stops? i mean we've done 50 minutes on absolutely nothing let's do something <laughs> what we're actually here to do
0: i can't believe it um we, it, uh, we can like? leave it there if you want to we can leave it there if you want to let's do opta Okta.
2: okay we're here steve what does octa
1: do octa i know about from the consumer side i know nothing about the um economics of this business i know nothing about its competitive position but here is um the kind of lowdown on what octa does from the perspective of somebody who uses it basically i have a thing where it appears at the top of my internet browser and there's like an octa uh button and if i click on that i can log into all of my kind of um i guess workplace apps of a sort so there's slack and there's google documents and there's outlook and there's loads of other things they're all managed on one login which is my kind of Okta um login and that seems to be effectively what kind of goes on there i've no idea whether any other company could do that i have no idea i assume it's quite there's a significant switching cost but i don't know anything about that from the kind of Uh, economic side. It doesn't seem particularly expensive to run, so I imagine the margins are massive if it makes any money, but then again, it's a fairly young tech company, so I suppose it probably doesn't. Um, That's pretty much all I can do without actually looking at something to do with the company rather than my limited uh, user interaction with it.
0: Okay, that's interesting that you see it in that way because i see it as more of a branding app than anything else but that's that's interesting i didn't know people were using it in that way sorry steve I just, you're, you're the man
2: is I a identity management app uh, essentially it's a security um so, sort of cyber cybersecurity security app so i'll just give you a really quick rundown then so it's released its uh, earnings uh this was up to july um 31st i think it was the close so uh, total revenue was up forty three percent subscription revenue was up forty four percent so this is four hundred and fifty two million of which four hundred and thirty five it is recurring essentially so that 's about ninety six percent uh, free cash free cash flow margin was probably the next interesting one on there that was actually negative 5.3% total customers was up 26% so Octo is doing okay I guess is what I would say about that it's not a profitable company it's probably going to do about sort of 1.6 to 1.8 billion in its um in its uh, full year so I mean that shouldn't be too bad against consensus. I'll just quickly give you that poll before I—I I know you've got an idea of why it's—it's it's down a bit, but it beat uh, consensus on revenues, operating income, op margin, adjusted EPS, billings. It also beat on guidance for the next quarter, operating income, adjusted EPS. It matched on revenues and it actually guided full year and beat on all four revenues, operating income, operating margin, adjusted EPS. So this stock's down forty percent today, Paul. Why
0: do you think it is? Well, I don't know a lot about this company, but cybersecurity in general was very very hot last year, wasn't it? And so anything that's not going as perfect as it should do is tending to lead to a big slide in any stock really at the moment, and particularly in cybersecurity because a lot of cybersecurity what's what's the big one in cyber security? Forgot what it's called there's all uh, sorts isn't it Crowdstrike? CrowdStrike, is Hello, CrowdStrike, Crowdstri- Hello, Crowdstrike yeah. was the one i was trying to think of that's that's taken a bit of a hit recently as well hasn't it so there's a bit of falling with the with the sector in itself but uh it bought a company last year called ortho or ortho or something like that i had no idea what the company does but it was a big acquisition for them apparently and um it's not working and when the company says it's not working uh, they're not integrating it very well or they're having struggles integrating it that has led investors to believe that this is the start of we're going to give up on this and maybe even sell it or uh, have to write it down because it's not worth what we what we paid for it so that has knocked off like 40 well 25 percent today i think it is but 40 percent in general um i might be wrong about that as well um but uh, Yeah, when something isn't going as well as it should do, stocks in this market are getting hit hard. Do you know anything more about this, Steve?
2: Yeah, the only thing I'd really tack on is that Tomo Bravo is building the, the biggest cyber security company around at the moment, and that's the big problem for Okta. Okta really needed to show a lot of resilience here, and uh, maybe even sort of uh, some improvements on its bottom line, its free cash flow margins. It didn't do that. It, I say it only grew up 40%, but this isn't a particularly big company. So 40% isn't a, you know, we're not talking about the law of big numbers here. Um, so Tomo Bravo recently has acquired um, uh, its Biggest competitor, which is called Ping Identity. Uh, there's talks of that they're trying to acquire Darktrace. Um, we went through quite a few. Zanna Plan they've bought recently. Sailpoint, which is another uh, large uh, sort of endpoint security uh, company. So they're building this big, this big conglomerate. And then you've got you know Palo Alto. That's earnings actually weren't too bad. Palo Alto um, did pretty yeah, well. CrowdStrike was pretty good as well. And you have got to look at Okta in the middle of this, saying like, we are having trouble integrating this one company. You really only firing in one particular department and you've got these two big companies just pushing down either side of you i think that's octa's problem i just think it might not be the one that wins in that sector
0: yeah very interesting um octa there uh, one of the smaller stocks i i really hadn't hadn't really heard about it until a few weeks before we had um thingy from the motley fool on the podcast who who famously owns it so What's, when I say thingy, what's his name? Yeah, Chris, Chris Hill. Hill. Uh, oh, God, I'm terrible with names, aren't I? I'm so horrible names. I remember everything about people, but uh, not their names. I'm terrible at it. Uh, yeah, Chris Hill, friend of the show, um, owns <laughs> Octa, and he's probably hurting a little bit as well because it, it suffered a bit last year at the same time. Anyway, we'll leave it there, I think, and thank you very much for listening to everyone. Leave us five-star review for that hour of... Uh, uh i think we went a bit too political there really didn't we i think we've gone a, a bit more political than usual um we'll 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 see what we'd uh come up with next week and uh next <laughs> week when we have listening. a new prime
1: minister yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah oh god yeah. Oh, yeah we're gonna have a we're gonna have a new prime minister that looks like a bird brilliant all right see you in a bit